What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, the podcast where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities, all while having a good drink. Today, I am drinking, and I'm, I'm very happy to be drinking, um, the Glen Roth's Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, 10-year-old phenomenal scotch. Um, I drink a lot of bourbon on here because, to keep it 100, bourbon is often very affordable at a high quality. Scotch, on the other hand, I mean, yeah, you can get a, um, a nice bottle of Johnny Walker, which is pretty nice standard scotch, but that's a blend. But when you're talking about a single malt, you're going to start paying when you're looking for some quality. And um, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do something nice for myself. So I went, picked up the uh, Glen Roth's 10-year and you know it's a it's a really really smooth bottle. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to drink this one slowly. It's not going to be for my leisure drinking or after a hard day at work. But um, yeah, I, I strongly suggest it. Very smooth. If you haven't um, experienced experienced Scotch before, there is a difference between the blended Scotches and the single malts. So if you if you think you know I don't really like scotch because of the the blended stuff you've had or the things that are carried at common bars invest in a nice bottle one time see if you like it if not keep it on a shelf you know use it for celebratory events but if you really want to start digging into what good scotches are like invest in something but yeah that's my uh my quick alcohol um pitch or whatever Today, I want to continue on the um, episode from Friday. You know, it was a, an emotionally charged episode. I was frustrated. I still am frustrated. Um, but I've had some time to settle down since the one murder of George Floyd and the actions taken following the murder starting in Minneapolis and then now it's spread across the country where there have been everything from peaceful protests to riots which have incited more police brutality and abuse of power um, and everything in between I mean there are, there are situations in which protesters or rioters are in the wrong couple situations I will name that I've seen um, black owned businesses being vandalized I have a classmate from UNCG who owns a business that uh, has a location in Raleigh North Carolina and her business the Zen succulent was vandalized and looted yesterday during um, during a riot you know, I'm sure that this black woman has worked very hard to build up a business where she can have not one, but two storefronts in two of North Carolina's fastest growing metropolitan areas. And um, now she has to take on the burden of, of rebuilding. So we really have to be intentional when we say we want to break down the corporate structure and that corporate structure ends up hurting our own. 
and that's just my word of wisdom to all those who are looting. I'm not judging you for wanting to take from Target or CVS or, or any other corporate entity that has been built on a legacy of oppressing poor people. But when you are talking about someone who comes from a community where people have been oppressed and they've attained a level of success in business and then we bring them back down, we, we have to be intentional about that. So that's my, that's my first issue. Um, second issue, I have an issue with police officers in Brooklyn specifically who decided to hit the gas on protesters. Now, the protesters, there were some, or rioters or agitators, whatever you want to, to label them as, there were, were some who were working to smash in the front windshield of the police officer's SUV. And at that point, it does put that officer in harm's way. But to accelerate into a crowd of people, many who had no part in breaking that front windshield, is an abuse of power. Um, the person who needed to be held accountable, the person who stepped on the front of your windshield, handled that person in a respectful fashion and like a human. But still, you don't you don't decide to hit the gas on a crowd of people, you know, maybe 25 to 50 people. That's poor judgment. That is not de-escalating a situation. And what it is doing is hurting those people who are taxpaying citizens and who are frustrated and rightfully so. So, yeah, um, this episode, I've decided to bring on a guest. <laughs> um, you might have heard of him before. His name is Tupac Shakur. And he has a very interesting perspective on the plight of black people in America and the prime opportunity for black men to exhibit the power of fighting back against the system. In actuality, you know, of course, Pac will not be on this episode. I don't know how many of y'all still believe he's alive and hiding out in the Cayman Islands or South America or wherever. But I do not have the honor of having Tupac Shakur sitting here speaking with me. But I was able to pull an interview of his from the early 90s. And parts of it were, I'm going to use a word that I've recently learned, propagated. I don't know if this, if it really fits. But I think you can use it in this format. Look it up. It has to do with gardening. You take a piece you plant it somewhere else. So in, essentially, if you want to take it from gardening to audio, it works. But anyway, I part, part of his interview with this Swedish journalist was taken, used on Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, the last track, Mortal Man. It's on the extended version. You have to buy the whole album. You can't just buy the song. I found that out on Apple. Um, so I had to go find the actual interview and work with that chop it up some to get a couple of the points that Pac made that I think are impactful. And I didn't put all of it on here for a couple reasons. While I 
empathize with the parties who are extremely frustrated, extremely angry. I also do not feel the need to encourage some of the violence that will come regardless. Plenty of other people have said these things, so my platform isn't the place where I'm going to incite that. But I do believe in defending yourself. I do believe in protecting your community. So leave that for what it is. Um, Protecting your home, of course. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and jump into Pox points and then I'll be right back in here to give my my three cents on it. You know, you put any dog or any person in the corner and that's when you get the, the craziest fights. That's when you get that strongest left jab and that hook and that super cross and all that shit. I don't understand. It's not the same rules. We all have to follow the same rules. The rules have to apply to every man, woman, and child. It cannot be just for the rich or for the poor. If it is, there's going to be war. I'm showing you that when you oppress a people, all we're going to do is blow up in your face. If you put gasoline in the bottle and put a match to it, it's going to blow up. A whole bunch of glass going to spurt. It's going to be blood everywhere. Where it's gonna be bad scenes in the victims. We don't want that. We don't want that. That's why we're rapping and we're not in the bushes sniping motherfuckers. So we're not as we we not what they're making us to be. You know what I'm saying? We are the degree outs. We we're the storytellers. We coming first. We telling you the news. You know what I'm saying? We like the three wise men coming through this. We like the seventh sign. We are we we bringing news of the apocalypse. It's coming. It's going to happen. America better do something. I'm telling you, because my kids, they got this crazy. I'm telling you, all the kids I'm looking at, my god kids, my nieces and nephews, they got a crazy look in their eye. In this country, a black man only have like five years we can exhibit maximum strength. And that's right now, why you a teenager, why you still strong, why you still want to lift weights, why you still want to shoot back. Because once you turn 30, it's like they take the heart and soul out of a man, out of a black man in this country. And you don't want to fight no more. And if you don't believe me, you can look around. You don't see no loudmouth 30-year-old motherfuckers. I think that niggas is tired of grabbing shit out the stores. And next time it's a riot, it's going to be like uh, bloodshed. For real. I don't think America know that. I think America think we was just playing. It's going to be some more playing, but it ain't going to be no plan. So, Pac said a lot just now. And I want to hone in on a couple of the, the points that he made. I'm going to work backwards first and talk about the rioting aspect of things. For the longest time, actually... I saw something on Instagram earlier and someone posted America needs to be happy that all we want is equality and not revenge. Because let's be honest, white folks, if someone continually oppressed and beat your people, would you say, hey, just treat me equally? No, you would ask for an eye for an eye. We realize in America that numbers-wise, that's not going to work for two reasons. One, there are more white people in the United States than black people. No, there's a few reasons. So yeah, more white people than black people. All people of color are not on the same page and don't have the same agenda. That's number two. Number three, there are black people who do not identify with the black struggle and therefore will not stand on the side of justice or fighting against the oppressor. So that combination of things really means that 
we cannot go for an eye for an eye with with white America. It would not serve us. We likely, when you're talking about African Americans, not black people across the diaspora, but in America, we would not survive that. So you know what? We don't need that. We don't need to to go ahead and and pull a Nat Turner, which if you listen to the entire Pac interview, um, he goes into that. And if you don't know the story of Nat Turner, check him out. He is my favorite American patriot because he truly said, give me liberty or give me death and acted on it. He was not down for being a slave. He was not down for being enslaved. He knew he was better than that. He deserved more than that. And no human deserved it. And so he took his freedom truly by any means necessary. Took it further than Malcolm did or Marcus did. Much further than um, Martin did. And I appreciate the example he set. Not in necessarily taking lives, but being willing to go to the furthest extreme to secure your freedom when it is unjustly taken from you. So then we'll, we'll continue to go backward in the Pac interview. And at one point he spoke on when a black man can reach his maximum, most effective potential. And he says this when you're in your teens and really, you know, into your young mid-20s. You are physically fit. You aren't afraid of anything. You know, you possibly don't have any children. You don't have a family. You are at a point where it, your mind state is, what do I have to lose? And when you see the world or your community continuing to be attacked at that point, you say, I've got to fight back. I was talking to Sean about this yesterday, and I brought up this interview, which is actually kind of what inspired me to do this episode. I brought up this interview with Pac, and I said, you know, bro, we are 32, 33, 34 years old. Um, let's see, Sean is, so I'm turning 33 this year. So yeah, Sean is 34. And I said, we have families, we have wives, we have homes, we've established our careers, um, we're both entrepreneurial. We are not in the position to go out and be a part of every riot. But guess what? At 21, 22, we're college students, we're passionate, we are thinking about how can I change the world instead of how can I leave a legacy at that point, that's when a fire is lit in you. And it's not that I am any less invested in the success of the black community. I'm just invested in a different way. At this point, my investment is professional. My investment is financial. And the ability to go out and risk my family's life or livelihood, it's just not logical and it would leave them in a deficit. So making wise decisions at an older age, you don't do the things you would have done at 21 and 20. And then um, 
Tupac goes back to very clearly say America had better do something because he can see it in the eyes of the, the youth. And they're sitting here wondering, why do we put up with this? Why do we continue to be oppressed? And right now is different than in 1965, right? Because our grandparents and our parents and their parents, they didn't have access to this information. And so while you're told slavery happened and while you're told, you know, reconstruction happened and the Klan happened right now, I can punch into my phone all of these things and see images of them happening. And I continue to understand that society isn't changing for us, no matter how much we peacefully protest, no matter, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we go to school, um, no matter how much we follow the rules, America and our status in America and our standing in America and our station in America, those things have not changed. And I can see all of this now. I can look at the video clips. I can see the images. I can read the words and I can do all of this in a day's time. The research is in my right hand right now on the internet. And as we continue to progress and more information becomes readily available, these kids are going to get more and more frustrated and more and more upset. So America, do the right thing. Don't continue to poke the bear. You know, and it's, it doesn't come with one racial equity class for a police battalion or a department or whatever. It comes with changing the way we interact and the way we think. It comes with working to educate ourselves. And I say ourselves, but white folks, I'm talking to you. Police officers, I am talking to you. Non-black people, non-black people of color, I am talking to you. We have to change the way we interact with one another. Saying I'm not racist is not enough. It, it just isn't. You can say you're not racist all day. Like Amy, who called the police on the bird-watching brother in New York. She said she's not racist, but guess what? The first thing she said is, I'm going to call the police and say an African-American man is threatening me because she knew as a white woman that her privilege would cause the police to, because the police system reacts better to or more so in favor of white people, especially white women, than it does black men, the two ends of the spectrum. And she knew that, and so she took advantage of that. And she might not have done it maliciously as much as she did it instinctively. And that means that her instinct is malicious. So her mind might have not, may, may not have said, I'm going to do this intentionally to get this black man arrested by the police and possibly killed. But her instinct, her subconscious says, I know I'm better than him and that they will believe me ahead of him. And so I'm going to use that to my advantage. At this point, it's not even about survival because nothing threatens the survival of white people within America. What it actually is about is maintaining power and superiority. And I think that we're just tired 
So when I was out yesterday, I went to a peaceful protest downtown Durham. And you could see the frustration, but it was early in the day. No one was tired. It was probably about noon. And so we get downtown and I'm taking photographs. Very impactful moment. And you can see the passion behind the people. Black people, white people, brown people, Asian people. Everyone was just out there. And black people were given the space or took the space. We had the space to speak freely, clearly. And no one worked to silence our voices. Great moment. Um, later on that evening, many of the protesters from Durham moved to Raleigh because the second protest happened there that evening. And at that point, you know, people are tired and it's been a long day and you might have just gotten off of work and come right here. And and then it turned into we're going to start protesting. But by the end of it, we are going to be rioting, burning and looting. And so um, I, I understand it. We're tired. We're frustrated. We hate having to come out and march and risk our lives during a worldwide pandemic just so that we don't have to fight this national pandemic of white people getting away with killing black people with or without badges. They get away with it. You know, this officer who killed George Floyd was charged with third degree murder. And I'm thinking, how? They continued to... And I, I haven't watched the video, I refuse to, but I've read about it. They continued to um, put pressure on his neck after realizing that, that he did not have a pulse. That's malicious intent. Third degree murder is in no way, shape, or form enough. But um, you know, that's the system we... And then, and then the question is, will he be convicted? Because the rare situation in which an officer is charged more often than not they're not convicted of murder so these are these are points of concern for myself and those in my community and i'm going to close out with um when pac talked about the fact that if we really wanted war if we really didn't care anymore if we didn't want to be pro- productive and contributing members of what had the potential to be the greatest nation on earth at its inception, had it actually lived up to its creed. If we really didn't care about any of that, we would have gone ahead and taken revenge and not cared about our lives either. And we would have said, well, we're going to at least take out as many people as we can. But we don't want that. We want to work toward equality. We want to try to build a better society. But you got to meet us, not even halfway. Y'all have to meet us where we are right now because we've continued to extend the olive branch and extend the olive branch. And I just can't see, I can't see us um, doing that forever because one day I'm going to have kids and they're going to have kids and they're going to have kids. And after 400 years of this, we ain't going to deal with another 
you know, one, two, three hundred years. So I strongly encourage everyone to take an honest inventory of what they want this nation to be and work to make it that. I hope that what you want this nation to be is great. I hope that you're not looking for this nation to be all white because that's never going to happen. It never was all white. Before white people came here, it wasn't white at all. After having looted from the entire world and caused wars across the earth that have, at the end, resulted in cancerous situations, both literal cancer as well as relational cancer, um, having pillaged and looted great empires from some of the world's greatest cultures in order to fill museums with riches that you did not earn nor create, I must encourage you to try to work to build up the karma of your humanity by working against the atrocities that your ancestors have committed. You can do this. You can give some of this privilege and power back. You do have the opportunity to make things right. Just do it. But yeah, that's my, um, and that, that's not me real quickly. That's not me blaming all white people for everything bad that's happened in history because right now you did not create this, but you can work to dismantle it. And that's my charge to you. Thank you all for listening. See y'all again next week. Same time, same place. This has been Daryl. I hope that you will subscribe, um, leave a review, leave a rating and catch y'all again next week. Peace.